Hey guys, Paul Riddick here. Welcome back to the Baseball Dad Show. Um, we all agree that any world-class athlete, any athlete in any sport playing at the top of their game um, has really two things that are consistent across the board. Number one is there's some God-given genetic ability, right? They're, they're born with a little bit of a gift. Um, we'll talk a little bit about this more, about how much, how close people get to that. And number two, there's the dedication to their sport, the training for it, the practice for it, the mastering their skills and their craft, right? All of that. There isn't, there isn't an athlete that is at the top of their sport that doesn't have those two common denominators going for them. So in this episode, we're going to talk about what, what it really takes to get to the next level. And I'm going to give you what was a really surprising revelation to me about two of the greatest athletes that the world has ever seen. So before we get into that, head on over to baseballdadshow.com. There's a lot of great stuff over there. Number one, you can actually set up a call. If you have some questions for me, you'd like to talk with me, you can set up a call there. Um, you guys send in great questions on email, but honestly, it's a little bit easier for me just to pick up the phone and talk it out. I feel like I do a better job of answering questions and also a way to connect and a way for me to give back to this community. Uh, no strings attached, just again, a way for you and I to connect. Um, there's also a bunch of other stuff at baseballdadshow.com. There's our course, which is the only course ever for ever created for baseball dads. There's a scorecard to see if your son can play in the next level. And there's also a dialogue that you can use to cut and paste emails to ask your son's coach for more playing time. So going over to baseballdadshow.com, all of that is linked there. So when we talk about what it takes to really play the next level, to really reach your potential, um, I'm going to share with you something that really blew me away. And where I got it from um, is going to probably be a little shocking to you as well. So when we talk about God-given genetic ability, um, we get it. We get that, that there are people that are just special, right? There's LeBron James, right? All the hard work in the world is not going to turn you into LeBron James, right? Um, but there's a lot of people that were probably born with maybe not LeBron James level talent, but, but in maybe like NBA or professional talent or even Division I college talent, that didn't do part two, which is the work, which is putting in the hours, the dedication, um, which LeBron James is famous for. Kobe Bryant was famous for. Um, and you hear stories about baseball players and football players. Right? You hear these famous stories of them being meticulous workers. I just read an article a couple of days ago about Michael Jordan when he was um, playing baseball that he put forth a new work ethic. Like Terry Francona was quoted in this, in this article saying, Michael Jordan was working out before breakfast. He was working out with the team. And then he was doing extra stuff after games. And like, he goes, Michael Jordan was the hardest worker um, on that team. that he Because he was the manager of Michael Jordan's team when he was with the uh, Birmingham Barons of the White Sox. So we hear, and w w what he said is that he, you know, he, he taught those guys what a high level work ethic is. And so I was really shocked by something, especially as it pertains to our culture of amateur and youth baseball, is that now we've kind of confused what hard work is. We think hard work is um, playing a lot of games. We think hard work kind of gets meshed up with success. Like were you on a successful team? that won a lot of tournaments or played a lot of tournaments or maybe traveled to different places. There's a lot of that that kind of gets mixed up. Um, did you play year round or nine months or six months? There's all these kind of things that get all 
kind of mashed up in there and, and they can kind of masquerade as hard work, but they're kind of just a lot of activity and not a lot of accomplishment. If you're, if you're, you know, you've been around this podcast for a while, you know, I hate the world of tournament baseball. I think it puts an incredible amount of unnecessary pressure on our young men at very young ages. If you look back about two years ago, we did one on an actual national 6U t-ball tournament, which is like, okay, you need a T to play the game. You can't throw and pit. You can't pitch and kind of a pitcher catcher interface. Um, but you're teaching kids before they can actually play the game that a tournament is the most important thing about the game. So I think it, I think it, it, it forces us into a situation where we're measuring, evaluating kids um, at earlier and earlier levels. Those evaluations are usually incomplete and unfair. They tend to drive kids out of the game. They tend to, to ruin kids' self-esteem. They're put under pressures and stresses and they're put into situations that psychologically they're not ready for. Every psychologist who has spoken about this that works in the child psychology field has said that this is not good to long-term development. We also, kids um, in, in baseball, especially with the dads and, the, and the, the, the players that I work with in my coaching practice, is um, that players, uh, their evaluation and their self-esteem gets tied up into how well they do in games that maybe they were not psychologically or emotionally or even physically prepared to play. And it becomes kind of like a, like a, like a psychological compound um, that can drive your life. So I, I, I've been vocal against it. I don't want to turn this into a podcast about it. But I found something out about two of the greatest athletes of all time that I think every baseball dad, if you have, especially if you have dreams of your sons playing in college or, or professional and you really want them to be something special, I found something interesting. Venus and Serena Williams are two of the greatest athletes that ever did anything right any sport and their sisters right and um they, they're not only great i don't know how many majors they've won right it's a lot they're not only great but they've been great for a long time they were great early right they were in their teens when they were um, when they burst onto the scene they had a lot of early success and they as we're recording this in 2019 um don't quote me but i know serena williams is probably still the best female tennis player. And I don't, I think Venus is, you know, definitely still in the top 10 or 15. And this is going on like 20 something years now that these two, uh, I was gonna say young women, they're not young women anymore. They're both moms have been doing this, but you know, what's also famous is their father, right? Their father's kind of famous because he was, um, you know, he was like one of those dads, right? That like from early on, he's out, um, you know, at the tennis courts, hitting his kids balls for hours a day. And, and maybe he was labeled as one of those, you know, sports parents, those crazy sports parents. Um, but actually the story is actually fairly inspiring considering where this family came from and where they, um, and how they came up through the success. It was very inspiring. So I was reading my children who are Venus and Serena Williams, which these books, if you have kids, these are just great. There's kind of like who is or like everybody, like Steve Jobs, Walt Disney, and uh, Jackie Robinson, and Martin Luther King, and Abraham Lincoln. And there's like what is, like what is the Constitution, the Statue of Liberty, and oh, what is you know, the Civil War? It's, it's these great little like books that kind of give you uh, a snapshot. So at this stage of the game, they had now had some success on the 
junior circuit. And they lived in Compton, California. And they moved, they drove cross country and they moved, um, they drove in an RV cross country and they moved to Florida where they rented a house and the girls practiced. The girls hit hundreds of serves and balls each day. Um, the sisters also took private lessons at a school that was part of a tennis academy. It was tennis in school, tennis in school. Now this is where it gets interesting. Here he has, at this point of the story, he has maybe the top two junior players in the world living in his house. Now, I don't know many people that if they thought if their son was the top 13, 14-year-old baseball player in the world, wouldn't say, let's go travel here. Let's go do this. Let's go do that. Let's get exposure. Let's be seen. Let's get out there and let's do all this stuff. And, and there would be incredible amount of offers rolling your way as it was for Venus and Serena. Listen to what their father did. Richard believed that practice and coaching and not more competition would make the girls better. So Venus and Serena took more than three years off from playing in tournaments. They spent that time studying and practicing tennis while nearly all other players their age were in dozens of tournaments a year. Would their lack of game experience prevent the girls from succeeding? Well, we know the answer to that. We know the answer to that. That three years off from tournament competition, which, which basically, which all tennis is, is around a tournament structure, Every tennis event is a tournament. So it's not like they were playing regular season matches over tournaments, right? Like baseball, there's a regular season. But for three years, he took the top two junior tennis players in the world and removed them from the tournament scene to work on their game. Now, when I read that, um, I thought to myself, I wonder who the other players were. I wonder who number three through 10 in the world were in their age group at that time. I wonder who they were. Um, maybe we know their names. I don't know. I'd have to go look that up. Maybe do a little research on that, but I don't think there's a book about them. I don't think they've had the success of the, of the Williams sisters. I don't even think the Williams sisters were blessed with any uh, great genetics, um, more, not, not any more than anyone else in their family. Because they've had, they have other sisters, they have siblings, and none of them have gone on to be superior athletes like they were. Or was that, was that what made them successful? So go with me here. What if the other junior players were pushed into the tournament scene? And if you've heard the stories about like tennis tournaments and tennis parents, like it's 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 tough. It's tough. Like I've heard some really really cringeworthy stories from that youth tennis scene. So I wonder if he protected his girls during a very formidable age, especially for young girls. I wonder if he did the wise thing and he protected his girls from being unfairly judged and labeled in tournaments, but instead held them back to where they could perfect their game. And then when they were mentally, emotionally, and physically ready, then let them enter the tournament circuit. I, I'll bet you the offers were pouring into him 
to put these girls on the circuit and to travel the world. That must have taken incredible discipline for that man to not put his daughters into that on that circuit. Let's put it in baseball. Let's say you're 14. How many offers would you get if you were the top one or two 14-year-old baseball players? What would be the pressure that if you don't do this, you're going to miss out? If you don't do this, some other player is going to come and take, take it away from you. If you don't do this, you won't be seen. If you don't do this, you'll be left behind. Or is it the right time to perfect your game, perfect your skills, and then when you're emotionally ready, you enter that scene when you're emotionally, mentally, and physically ready, and then maybe some of the other players that had equal skills for you, which I got to imagine is what happened here, is that players three through 10 in the world, by the time Venus and Serena entered, were maybe a little beaten up and bruised from the tournament circuit, maybe a little mentally beaten up as well. And they entered this world fresh, prepared, ready, and kind of with a clean slate, mentally, emotionally, and physically. They probably didn't, they, they probably didn't have the injuries that a player who plays three years on the tennis circuit would have. They didn't have the fatigue of traveling all over. And then we talked about all the mental, emotional issues. It's a very interesting take. When we know God-given ability plus dedication to craft, work ethic, that's the two, that's the magic pairing. And I'm just interested, to, uh, it's just so interesting to me, especially with what we talk about, that I wonder if that was a thing that made it for Venus and Sharia. Three years is a long time. I wonder how many people would even take a year off of tournament baseball to go and hone their craft and to hone their skills and to kind of grow a little bit and mature and physically develop um, before heading into that tournament scene. So check out these books. They're great. They're um, whohq.com, but it's like any subject. It's great. The baseball ones are great. Roberto Clemente one is great. Jackie Robinson one is great. Derek Jeter one is great. My, me and my boys read them all the time. So um, interesting topic for today's show. So head on over to baseballdadshow.com. Um, everything we talked about before is linked up there. And thank you guys so much for listening. I uh, love you guys. And I'll see you back here next week. Thanks. Hey, it's Paul Reddick. Thanks so much for listening to the show. I really appreciate it. I wanted to let you know I have a new book out specifically for baseball dads. And I would love for you to check it out. You can go to baseballdadsbook.com. All the information is there and a pretty good discount for our podcast listeners. So again, it's baseballdadsbook.com. Thanks.